because as long as he stays, United aren't that much of a threat. <laughs> you know what? That was the first game that really finished me off, you know. <laughs> that's, that's, that was the first game. That was the game that finished me off. Samples. <laughs> I keep hearing this. Oh, it's, it's not my fault if you can't fill your stadium, innit? It's not my fault. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Tell yeah, them. The Breakdown Podcast. What's good, people? You're tuned into The Breakdown Podcast. This is episode 26. Um, before I say anything, before I even introduce... Um, who's on today um just want to say a big thank you to everyone that's listened so far um also want to say if you want to head to our youtube head to our youtube man um just go into youtube type in the football supplement all one word and um you'll find various episodes of the breakdown podcast on there so if you want to hit the subscribe button obviously that will help us out um and also if you want to share it with somebody who um you think might be interested definitely share the podcast as well but anyway let me introduce who's on today. Um, Jay's not here today. He'll be back next week. Um, got man like T, though, in with a smile on his face. Always smiling, man. There's lots to smile about, bro. In particular, 1-0 against West Ham. You know, my boys keeping on the, the performance, the results. I'm proud of them. So, yeah, man, it's another one. And, yeah, obviously happy to... To join in with you boys this evening. So yeah, man, let's go. Key. What are you saying, Kofi? Yeah, all good. Um, didn't catch a lot of the football this weekend. Busy, busy, busy weekend. And even now, like tired, but listen, we're here, we grind. Um, nice little 4-0 win as well. From what I from what I could see on the weekend, Reese James coming back. I'm upset I didn't put him in my fantasy league team. Uh, I should have done double game week, I flopped. But <laughs> You know, listen, that's besides the point. Obviously, we've got better things to st- talk about today than my frailties in fans. So, yeah. It's mad. Fantasy football, I, I, I can never keep up with it. I always say at the start of the season, I'm going to play this year. I'm going to play. And I might play for like one or two weeks. And then I just, it's, you know what it is? It's before the game week is about to start. I always miss the deadlines. So then I just, I get into the habit of being lazy like that. And then there's just like, and I think I don't follow any, you know, the pages that you can follow, like uh, fantasy football or mm. any of these accounts where it gives you loads of data and stuff. I just, I just can't follow it. I can't get into it. Everyone always asks me that, like, oh, you like football so much, but you don't. And you watch loads of games, but you don't play fantasy football. But I think it's just, I just can't get into the swing of when the game week's going to start all the time. Mm. It's, it's different as well. It's different. I think if you if you're a fo- if you're a football fan, um, I can understand why you wouldn't like the game or get the game or get into the flow of the game, because I think you could quite easily not watch football, but be good at the game. If that makes sense. Right. Yeah. It's true. So it's true. Like you said, you've got all this data available now and all these content creators and stuff that are like putting stuff out there. So you could quite easily not watch the game, but know exactly when the deadlines are and you're good. Mm. It's true. I just I, I don't know, but it's, it's it obviously it's come big, and maybe you know, um, you guys you guys might want to have your little segment on that on this in the future. I don't know, but <laughs> I just gotta keep up, man. Yeah, no, nah, I'm sure. Now nah, I'm sure the listen. I'm sure the listeners. Yeah, you, you know, I'm sure they're playing the game as well. So yeah, now we'll make we'll make a little small party of it. You know why not? Trust me, but yeah, obviously, uh, let's just get straight into our our topics because you know this is this is not a great day for me. Um, <laughs> it's not a great day for me. Why is it not a great day? Right. Yeah, what? Oh, we'll, we'll get oh. we'll get into it. What well, no villa? We'll what well, no villa today? No, they didn't win. No, for villa, what, villa, villa, villa done their, their thing. You know, you don't have to worry about that. You know, Coutinho, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Top class talent. I'm just saying, bro. You know, you see, you seemed a bit down, and I thought, well, which one is it today? Is it Madrid? Is it Villa? Is it United? Is it City? Madrid did the Madrid did their thing, you know. Hey, Madrid, Madrid scored hey. four themselves. Listen, <laughs> you get me? Yeah, for anyone that's that's listening, yeah, just go and watch Camavinga's goal. Yeah, it's a thing of beauty. It's a thing of beauty. That young boy, I I'm not sure he's the right fit for Real Madrid, but. He's doing his thing. Him and Modric, both of them scored bangers. 
and that was against Sociedad as well, which is, you know, no mean feat. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So they did well. They did their thing. But obviously, talking about Man United um, getting slapped, basically, getting humbled, um, you can see the title there. You see the graphic. Manchester is blue, you know. Um, but I kind of want to more talk about it from a point of view of Man City because a, a lot of things was to, a lot of things have been spoken about Man United, and um, it's it's strange to me that Man United have received so much of the coverage and Man City haven't really received that much of the praise and the plaudits. Do you know what I mean? Um, it's strange. I, I find that a little bit strange. Maybe it's because obviously Man United get the clicks. But probably. And I, and I think, yeah, to, be, to be fair, I think everyone's still kind of holding on to the, you know, Man United fall from grace, you know, type of type of tangent now. Like, everyone's still kind of holding on to it after all these years. And um, it was kind of, it's kind of expected from City. City were expected to win anyway. So it's now about Raw, like what's going on with Man United? You know, they should be able to challenge. You know, they've got the talent, they've got this, they've got that. And just a couple of weeks ago, Marky, like you were speaking about Spurs going out there to go and do City, you know, by, you know, being being um very, very disciplined in the way they play and all the rest of it. And that approach, not that not that I'm saying that's the that's the full blueprint, but you would have expected Man United to do the same because what I think for the last three years they'd gone and beaten City at the Etihad as well. So for that result to come yesterday the way that it came that's where a lot of um, the animosity is now coming out and all these rumors and all the rest of it obviously we can't verify it, and i'm sure the people that are in the comments and that and saying what they're saying can't verify it either but you know you know how you know how um, football um, gossip goes so yeah but that's where it all pre- predominantly comes from but well done to see anyway yeah it's strange to me a game of two halves really for me definitely a game of two halves like um Two halves. First half, you could see Manchester United trying to press, well, try attempting to press. At, at one point, it would look like a four-two-four formation with just Scott, McTominay, and Fred in the middle, and then just the four attackers just there trying to go man for man, marking City, um, trying to turn over the ball and whatever. Um, but you can't get away from the fact that Man City are a superior team. Just a superior team, superior outfit. They've got better players. I was looking at one to eleven. I don't think any Manchester United player gets into Manchester Manchester City's eleven. Yeah, I think that's what a lot of the conversation was before the game. And you know, I think Gary Neville had a little segment as well about what what play he'd possibly try fit in. And I think he even he even said, yeah, he would have the whole back Man City back line easy. Yeah. Man City's yeah. midfield easy. And he was even saying like, even I think. He was going to leave out Cristiano Ronaldo. I think it was him and Micah Richards that was speaking. And I think he's, I think, and you know, Michael was trying to say that Ronaldo has to be there. And even Gary Neville was thinking, nah, like, if, if Ronaldo was going to be there, I'd rather have Bernardo Silva, like, on current form. Do you, do you see what I mean? So, yeah, it's difficult. It's difficult at this point. It's very... Yeah. Yeah. But let's stay, very, very very that's the thing. Point. Yeah, they're so much better. Like, Man City were brilliant. Man City, it's the way that they... Do you know what it is with Man City that I like the most? It's just the IQ level of the players. And obviously, they've had years to train in this system and in this way. But, like, at the same time, you need players with the raw attributes. You feel... If, for me, the way the best way to describe Man City is that if, if I had to pick players for them to play in a five-a-side it'd be difficult for me to get five players, you know, because there's so many that you could choose from and they'd, they could probably have two to three squads of five aside that you're like, and you know the difference between 11 aside and five aside is touch, touch, appreciation of space. Do you know what I mean? Like lovely little triangles. You need to be able to play football to play five aside. You've got to be able to actually play on the ground. Um, so for me, Man City have that in abundance. Whereas Manchester United, if you were to try and pick who would be in your five-a-side team, I don't know who. I don't know how many players I would actually choose to be in a five-a-side team. And um, the nature of the way that Manchester City approach football is pretty much from a five-a-side point of view. You know, just in the way that they pass and move, some of the one-touch sequences, it's control. It's all about control. The ball's not just pinging about left, right and centre. And I feel like Man United shot them by 
um, in the first half by trying to press them, trying to turn over the ball, trying to be high up and not sit back. I think City were preparing for Manchester United to sit back. But of course, Man United didn't do that. And in the first half, of course, it took some adjustment time. But I don't know what Pep said at halftime. <laughs> but as soon as they came out at halftime, it was like, okay, here's the football. Basically, they picked up from where they left off at Old Trafford. They just picked up from where they left off. You're on mute, Frank. You're on mute, bro. Oh, crazy. I didn't even know. But yeah, um, I was saying it was mad in that sense because, um, like you said, Mark, first half, Man United came out, you know, very, very positively. And even going 1-0 down, they, they pulled it back. And even the way that they pulled it back, I think there were even a couple of moments before they did that, you were looking at them and you're thinking, okay, this this is rather organised. And it's not it's not a word that you'd probably say synonymous with, you know, Man United when you speak about them nowadays, especially within the last year, right? But it, was, it looked quite organised in terms of the approach to the game. Um, second half, like you said, it was almost like a switch went off and Pep just instructed these guys to say, Let's, listen, yo, we are better than these guys. Don't, don't give them any time to breathe. And and that's exactly what they did. Um, Man United, if they wanted to, I felt like if they if they were brave enough, if the players were brave enough, could have actually pushed up and actually gone toe-to-toe seat at that point where City said, no, we're going to step on you. They could have stepped back, but they chose not to do that. And we all know if you sit down there, you're waiting to get pummeled. City, they're going to they're gonna smoke you and... Yeah, I think I think at one point this they said something like a stat was like um, possession stat was like oh ninety two percent, ninety two percent to eight percent for like fifteen minutes, or fifteen yeah. whole minutes. Yeah, I, 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 how do you even explain that? Yeah, it's it's um you know it's a stark contrast in styles the the two teams man and you know what I was thinking about the sides who have got a result against City more recently. So Spurs, Southampton, and the way that they've done it is pretty much hold that deep line and choose, pick your moments, basically. You, you choose when to attack very purposefully and with conviction. Mm. And I think United, they with the they tried to start with the high line and it, it did look like they were trying to go toe-to-toe. And I thought, mm, you know what? I'm not sure how wise that is. I think it's brave. But I don't know how wise that is because City will eventually pick you up because they are better, like we said, mm. all across the pitch. And I think um, United, if you're going to do that, you needed to take your chances. And, you know, Sancho, outside of the goal, had a couple of opportunities where I thought, hmm, he looks confident. He looks like he might do something here. And I think there was also a couple of opportunities where they didn't they didn't play in Elanga. Elanga was making the run. Mm. And those opportunities got missed. And I thought, hmm you know what, there's going to be a moment where City step on the gas and when they do, if you can't if you can't control that or you can't ride that wave, it's good night. And that second half, it seemed like Pep was like, yeah, man, let's, let's step on the gas. Before the game, he said, um, he said, we know what we're coming up against. Like he was, he, you know, he was talking about the pace that United have on, 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 on the counter. And he, he basically knew, okay, look, these are our vulnerabilities in terms of our line and how we play and how we squeeze the play. And United might have, you know, the, the physical advantage over us, but we can kick, basically. And um, I think what City did very well, maybe very obviously, is target Wan-Bissaka. Um, and that that United's right-hand side and City's left-hand side was just like, like you said, you know what, it's a, it's a great way to describe it. The result that they got when City last played United, did not reflect the dominance in the game. And I felt like City were like, okay, this game, we need to show them exactly what the difference is between the two sides. And um, yeah, man, that's that's just how it went. I thought it was, I thought, I thought by the end, it was very embarrassing for United. And, um, you know, that that's happened against Liverpool already. It happened against City already and it happened again. You see, I think the last one, the last game, to be honest, was worse than this one because um, the last um, derby, obviously the one mm-hmm. at um, Old Trafford, I thought it was worse because Man City, I don't think they used any subs. Nah, they didn't. Yeah, they didn't use any subs. They got to 2-0 and then just said, yeah, we, we've, we've kind of had enough. We, we don't, we, we've, we've done what we had to do. 
in this game, they're a bit more ruthless and whatever. And like you said, that left-hand side, Grealish, yeah, just on for he played against Wambisaka how you're supposed to play against Wambisaka. And I was very surprised. I'm I'm surprised that people haven't worked out that this is what you're supposed to do. There was no opportunities because I you know you know what it was. People was like, oh, why is Sterling not in there? There's a reason why Sterling didn't play. Because every time Sterling comes up against Wan-Bissaka, Sterling wants to he, Sterling yeah. wants to keep knocking it down the line and letting Maman do his letting Wan Bissaka do spider. You know, they, they call him spider because he goes and chops people's <laughs> legs and that. That's that's what that's what he that's all he wants to do all day. You're not gonna do that against somebody who's intelligent. And then now you're playing, you know, Bernardo Silva, you got Grealish, you got Foden, you got Kevin De Bruyne, you got Rodri. You're talking about technicians, and then you switch it to the other side, you got Mares. So you're talking about technicians here. So one thing that I liked, and what I liked from Jack Grealish, I, f- I felt like this was his best game for Man City, me personally, yeah? In terms of influence, in terms of swagger, it looked like the Grealish that I know watching week in, week out, and at Aston Villa, confidence-wise. You know, and I think it's a big difference. Jack Grealish playing from the, through the middle is where you see him. He's got his back to goal, and he's not as effective with his back to goal. You know, he looks like half the player. All of a sudden, it suited him because he had an opponent that wanted him to take it down the line. But Grealish rarely did. He was always looking for the inside runs of other players. He was always trying to distract it, one-touch football, two-touch football. And I think that's what's important. Like, when you're playing against Wan-Bissaka, you cannot take it down the outside. Don't bother. I bet even Mbappe, I'm sure Mbappe and those guys found out when they tried to play against Wan-Bissaka and go around the outside. It's just, it's just no one going to do that to him. But I think running on the inside of Wan-Bissaka is where it starts to come unraveled. Do you know what I mean? And obviously, his concentration is not always the best kind of thing. Like, I think sometimes he's looking so much to make a crunching tackle, but he's not necessarily reading the play. But I thought that City just, just they just they just hammered that left-hand side. Cancelo was fantastic. Like, again, even defensively, Cancelo was good, which was surprising to me. Do you know what I mean? I seen him running back, making a few tackles there. And it was just, to be honest, even as a Man United fan, it's entertaining to watch that team play football. Do you get what I'm trying to say? How they pass that ball about, and then you, and then we go into De Bruyne, man. Like that term, Rolls Royce gets thrown around a lot. Do you know what I mean? But De Bruyne is a Rolls Royce, man. Do you know what I'm saying? The way that he's able to transition the ball from defense to attack, and he just breaks the lines. That's it. He's just one of those players. It's like a throwback player. I feel like De Bruyne is probably playing ten years too late, to be honest. Mm. Feel like he should have been playing 10 years ago so he could have been scrapping it out with you know the last bits of Gerard and Lampard and you know what I mean those 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 kind of players um but you know he was good so there was just like a golfing class kind of thing between the two teams um but it's entertaining it was good to see because then obviously as soon as they started including Mares into the game <laughs> you know then it's a problem you know that man city squad is so stacked and so packed that you're just like you know, I, I believe that they they could be, they could be go they could go on to eclipse what Manchester United did, um in 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 the nineties or whatever if the club continues to move this way. Do you get what I'm trying to say? I feel like they will eventually eclipse whatever Manchester United have done. Obviously, they need to get a treble in the season, which they can't do. <laughs> mm. But you know, I feel like just league wise, performance wise, and stuff, they they they're doing the damn thing, man. You can't, you can't, even if you don't like Pep Guardiola, even if you don't like Man City, it doesn't matter. The way they're playing football, like, and the style in which they're playing their football, every player feels comf- confident and comfortable on the ball, you know? And, and I think that's an underrated thing because you contrast that with Manchester United. You've got several players who are not comfortable with the ball at their feet, but your job is a professional footballer. Yeah. yeah, and to be fair, even 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 with what you just spoke about there, just being comfortable with the football, that that's what you know us guys we've grown up actually you know watching with with the legends of the game that we that we you know that we love essentially they all have that similar trait. So to see a full team have all of that and operate the way they do, it's a beautiful thing to watch. You know, like like you said, you know, many many people may not like Pep. They may, you know, go in for the whole Champions League thing. Him not being able to do a buy-in with the team that they had, you know, coming off a Champions League win, and he didn't deal with them, or he's not done it with City yet, with all the millions and that they've spent. But 
you see what they're doing on the pitch and you have to appreciate what you watch. Like if you're a football lover, you still appreciate it still, you know, and I'm going to, I'm going to call it here. Like I'm really envious of that. I, I am genuinely envious of that. You know, even as a Chelsea fan where, you know, my, my team, my club, obviously have gone on to win trophies and all the rest of it. Winning is good, but winning beautifully is better. Do you get what I'm saying? Like if you could, if you'd have the luxury of doing that, of doing both, it's perfect. Do you know what's mad as well? David Moyes, yeah. I remember his first, I think I think it was either his first or his second derby. Man United, they got roasted by Man City. And after the mm. game, David Moyes said something like, Man City is the level that we're aspiring to be. And at the time, everyone was... because yeah. Okay, the difference was Manchester United were champions at the time. They were mm-hmm. Premier League champions, obviously. But... <laughs> This is, you know, next year will be probably like 10 years later and you probably, you know, it is what it is. And they've gone through manager after manager after manager and the contrast couldn't be more between the way that Manchester City have gone about their business, both in spending and in managers. Because I think they've roughly spent around the same Manchester, you know, Manchester yeah. City probably spent around the same amount, you know. And, 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 and it's not even necessarily that Man City have got all of their signings right because they've also signed a load of rubbish as well. They've signed rubbish and they've had to ship that rubbish out. And that's the difference. They signed rubbish and shipped them out straight away. You know what I mean? Um, but Man United have obviously signed some absolute gutter, you know what I mean, business. They've done some horrible business and stuff. But Man City's business has been all good, all decent. And even when it doesn't look like, oh, who's this player? Who's that player? You know, this player is shaky, that player is shaky. For whatever reason, Pep just seems to take the player out you know, they have a little rest and they come back refreshed. Do you know what I mean? You look at how Bernardo, Bernardo Silva's performing, just the unsung hero. Who knew he was this killer CM? Do you know, do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, you know, he was playing out wide before, but obviously now he's playing in the centre of, of the midfield and that, and he's just carrying the water effectively. You know what I'm saying? Um, so it's just that there's a big contrast and the way that Man City's being run, the way that they're moving, to be honest, you can I can see them going on to dominate even more Premier League titles and more, um, you know, definitely domestically. I can see them winning for a very long time because it's, I even look at the average age of their players and stuff like that, and you're thinking, well, they're already forward thinking in terms of who they're signing, who they're signing, how they're playing. They've got young players coming through. The young kid Palmer as well is coming through now. You know, they've got a few. You look at it and they're even starting to. They're starting to puff their chest out now with their transfers to get it early, get it done early. Because it's not like every signing is like, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80 million all the time. Do you get what I'm trying to say? So I feel like they're moving like a proper football entity. And I think that's the big difference. Like, that's why it's like, you know, the contrast between the two is that one is pretty much a bit run like a... One doesn't have football people in charge of football decisions. They had it. Man United, they had it, but then referred to that left. And one has gone from sort of mediocrity or just choppy, a bit of a choppy, changey sort of style to now all of a sudden they've got consistency, they've got their manager and they're doing their thing. So for me personally, as a Man United fan, just speaking as a Man United fan, um, it wasn't a surprise. It wasn't a surprise getting slapped like that by Man City. I thought it would be worse, to be honest. I thought it would be worse. I thought it could have been worse. Um, I thought after they scored after five minutes, I thought... Yeah, this <laughs> banging trouble. You know what I mean? Even when Sancho equalised, again, it's a moment of brilliance, right? That's the difference. Manchester United is moments of brilliance versus sustained control. But I was saying to my friend, with Manchester United now, and from their point of view, they don't have a midfield. So it's, a, it's hard to establish control because I don't even think the attackers are that bad. The ones that started yesterday, I don't think it's that bad. But if you don't have a midfield, you can't have control. That's just a fact of it. And then now you're playing pinball. And you're playing pinball when Man City have Cancelo who's fast, they've got Walker who's fast, John Stones is not slow, you know. So it's like all of a sudden you're trying to play pinball and whatever, but they just they haven't got a midfield. Um and I and if you look at the players who's going out for Manchester United in the summer, there's a lot of players there that need to go. Pogba needs to go, Lingard obviously needs to go. Um, there's just so many players, Cavani, Ronaldo, you know, Ronaldo not playing, apparently he's got injured, but then, you know, people knew stuff that we didn't know, you know, it's a dubious injury, you know, so it's just one of those ones where 
for Manchester United, it's all changed. But it wasn't a shocker for me. It wasn't really a shocker to see Manchester United perform like that because you you know it's going to be Fred and Scott McTominay in the midfield. So it's like I don't know what more you can you can um, expect from them. And to be fair, I don't even want to be harsh or horrible to them anymore. Like I've stopped even getting on to certain, you know, what I mean, players and that because like Scott McTominay doing interview after the game and stuff like that. <laughs> like it's cool though because really and truly. What more can he do? <laughs> do you get what I'm saying? Like, he could train as hard as he wants next week. What could he do differently? When they play against Spurs, yeah, what can he do differently? Like, Fred could Fred could run until literally his heart's content, yeah? What is he going to do differently? Him, there's a few others as well. Like, Wan-Bissaka, are you going to teach him to control a football in, in this, this week of training? Like, do you get what I'm trying to say? It's just not going to happen. So... There's a certain things where you're like, it's for the club anyway. It's like get through to the summer and see what happens from there kind of thing. But they've been saying that for a number of years. So it's just one of those ones where you have to say the tide has fully turned in Manchester. It's not a little bit turned. Obviously, City have to go and win a Champions League, but they could do that this year. You never mm. know. Feasible. Yeah, I agree with you, man. I think it's, I think, you know, even here we've, we started off speaking about United and their issues and stuff. And, you know, when things are just seemingly being ignored, issues are being ignored, you know, what can you, what, what more is there to say? You know what I mean? It's, it sounds like there's, there's, um, what's his name? Is it, is it Merlo? Is it, is it Merlo? I, I've forgotten. There's, there's like that a guy. Merton, the John Merto, I think his name yeah. is something. I, I, I see him speaking about the future and United being a place of excellence and, re-establishing that and you know what I think you're right you know it couldn't be it, United and City couldn't be more like chalk and cheese you know mm. um, in terms of their approaches City have got a unified approach and to your point Pep after the game was actually asked a question on um, the impact of you know uh, a successful manager who, who who has a long reign at that club obviously um, alluding to Ferguson and he was like yeah, you know, um, the thing with City is that City have seen that, basically. They've seen that example. They've seen what's happened with United. So we know what we're going to do, kind of thing. We know we've got a succession plan. And I think this, the scary thing about City is that we forget that they waited for Pep for a long time. And before that, before Pep arrived, they had put all the pieces in place. You know, they had Soriano, they had um, um, Chiki put into place. And these kind of guys are the, are the ones that really work well with Pep. And so what's to say that they wouldn't do that, you know, moving forward again? Um, so, yeah, man, City, it's a unified approach. They know what they're doing um, and United don't. So let's see what happens, man. Let's see what happens in, in, in the summer. Because if they're not careful, Newcastle will literally take their spot. That's just uh, a fact. Well, it's well, just well. a fact. Well, but one thing I'll say though, and it, I, th I think this is this is just pure evidence as well. For for all the money that Man United have spent, we've basically just just concluded that they spent the same amount as City in the same in the same amount of time, right? Within the within the same sort of period that we're speaking about since Ferguson left. They're, they're saying that money buys you money buys you success and all those things. You can throw it out the window now because it it clearly does not. It is it, smart brains and it's what you do with that money. That that actually decides how well you actually do. Do you get what I'm saying? So, um, whether whether you're oil tycoon or whoever you are coming in to buy a football club and that, listen, you you can have all the money in the world, but if you if you don't have sense and heads, there's no point. So mm. anyway, we'll see what happens with Newcastle. But I agree with you anyway. I think Newcastle, Man United have got to be very very careful with them now because I think the rest of the Premier League do in general. Because if yeah. they get it right, then and they are. By the way, <laughs> that's, the, that's the funny thing. We, 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 we will, do you know what I mean? But they are getting it right. And, and you know, they're proving themselves to be, you know, like, because all it takes with Newcastle, yeah, I know this isn't our, our thing for today, but with Newcastle, mm. all it, all it, you know, all it takes for them to stay up this season, yeah, and then improve and upgrade with a quality of player because they're not doing things stupidly. They're doing it steadily. So you're just like, look, all they need to do is stay up this season. The next season, they can think about European football, try and cement themselves into some sort of European spot. 
then they just upgrade the players and you you know and obviously upgrade a manager as well you know and then eventually you know it, it could be long and this is what I'm saying you can't forget no matter how commercial you get as a club you can't forget football is a game football is a game it's a game played on the pitch it's not about name brands it's about mm-hmm. can you play football is your touch good are you quick are you strong can you head the ball can you defend can you put in effort do you have personal pride it's it's about the dressing room you know and we can forget this in this era of 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 like we're saying fantasy football and stats and this and that we can forget that it's about grit determination hard work and quality like real quality passing the ball 5 yards to your teammate is important is as important as your new your new pot noodle deal do you know what i'm trying to say like it's it's more important to pass the ball to your teammates you have to be able to do that so this is where teams will start to get it wrong or whatever take that off the ball and it is what it is but talking about that sort of stuff obviously might as well um go on to talk about um spurs it's a out of the fa cup bit of indifferent results and obviously we were talking about it offline are Spurs? Do you think Spurs are unmanageable? Maybe whilst Levy's there, um, it seems like Levy. There's a number of issues there. Um, you know, it's even difficult of where, where to start. I think the 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 is, the big issue started to come under Poch, and you know, recognizing that. The team needed some refreshing. He needed to be supported. You know, the, if if you like, when you think about the, the Spurs at their pinnacle, and that was the Champions League, right? Played the Champions League final against Liverpool, and everybody thought, you know, they've got opportunity here to really become something. You could even argue, I don't know, maybe you could say that maybe the the height was their their supposed challenge, you know, um, for the league with Leicester. But for me, when I think about Spurs and, and and what they've been doing, I think about the Champions League final, the run, you know, the the, the age of the side, um, the maturity and these kind of things. And I think um, the side had come to a crossroad. And I think, you know what, it was clear that that Poch needed to to be supported and backed because it was it's, it's almost like a similar thing I saw with Liverpool. Before Liverpool got to the final and played Real Madrid, and it, you know they were just beating well, kind of thing. But they came back and they 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 made some investments, you know, brought in Fabinho and these kind of guys, and they came back. And I thought, you know what, like that's a manager who's backed, who's been supported, who there's a clear strategy there. Um, and Poch and and Levy and Spurs just went the other way. And I think from there, it's just been it's just been a scattergun approach. Levy seems to be thinking about some star stud names in terms of coaches, you know, coming in, the likes of Mourinho and Conte and these kind of things. And I think what's happened there is that they've, they've moved away from the Spurs approach under Poch that got them to where they were, essentially. You know, signings like Dele Alli, you know, bringing, bringing through um, Harry Kane, Winks, you know, Skip, these kind of guys, even before making really smart signings for Tongan, um, Alderweireld, um, these kind of signings, you don't really see them anymore. Um, you forgot your guy, man. You forgot to mention your, your guy, man, midfield. Ndombele. No, I oh, forget oh, him. Dembele, Dembele. Dembele, man, the real... Dembele. Yeah. Musa. Musa. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. bro. That was a big... Bro. Them, them not replacing... Them not replacing Musa Dembele is the single biggest mistake ever. And Wanyama. And Wanyama. The two of them together. That, yeah, like, that, that combo was rude. I can't even like that was a proper spine, it's, bro. It's it's painful, bro. It's painful to think about because Musa Dembele may be for me personally one of the most gifted midfielders I've seen. Mm. Just you yeah, where to start? The boy, you can't get the ball for them. So gifted and talented. And yeah, them not replacing them on the pitch, I think was a big mistake. But I think the real issues is off the pitch, in it, because that's that's the root of it all. I think Levy's is 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 too involved, and I think you can blame all the all the managers, you can blame the players, but at the end of the day, you have to look at the common denominator. And Levy's been there for a long time. Um, you know, he's he's he's. I'm not sure which direction they're they're going, and I'm not sure how they identify themselves. And so, yeah, to answer the question, I think whilst Levy's there, it's it's, it's becoming more of a difficult task to manage them. 
Because mm. that's that's the thing. It's easy to get on to managers. Like it is, and they've had low. This this this. Listen, they've had managers there. Do you know what I mean? Am I right in saying that the season after Poch got to the Champions League final, did Spurs spend money that next transfer window? Was that the season they paid, spent zero, or was it the no, season they, before no, no. that? No, they they um, I could have swore they bought in Dembele the season after. And I think that was their only one signing. The season they made the Champions League final was the season they made zero signings. Mm. Okay, I so think, it... yeah, because you remember they had that plight in the league where they just fell off, but they still made yeah. it to the final. And then the everyone final, made that yeah. excuse, yeah, that like, yo, you didn't invest. So and then they didn't, yeah, bro, yeah. And then they never after that point. I feel like in general the succession planning just wasn't there, and I feel like this is a thing for Spurs, right? Building upon things when they it goes as far back as the Gareth Bell, you know, they they got rid of Gareth Bell and then they just brought in a whole bunch of Nasser Chadley and this and that and some other, you know what I mean? They just brought in some interesting signings all at one goal, and I don't think any of those what, like necessarily. He was the yeah, only one. Exactly. Yeah, and it's one. Do you know what I mean? But you've there wasn't really. It was again like T said. It's like scattergun approach to to what they're doing, and they're going through now. And the profile of manager is getting higher and higher, and they're getting further and further away from, in my opinion, where they should be as a club, which is like, you know, trying to bring through their own players, obviously top quality players and stuff, but building, refreshing. I don't feel like the quality of player at Spurs is anywhere near good enough. Cause if because we were just talking about that Spurs team, look at how look at how we were talking about it when you had Wanyama and you had Dembele at a base of a midfield. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like you're just like that that's that's serious. You know, you're talking about people like Modric. You're actually talking about genuinely like brilliant players we're talking about control of football matches do you get what i'm saying like um you know danny rose carl walker do you get what i'm trying to say we're going back now but who's you know even trippier like letting Trippier, <laughs> like that that decision now looks horrible that, that, mm. that looks absolutely horrible you know letting trippier go seeing what he's gone on to go and do it's just like it doesn't make sense to me. So I feel like they don't have the quality of the player at the players at the moment. And then Conte is a ticking time bomb. Let's be honest. He's a t- it's, it's just a matter of time before that guy explodes and leaves. You know, um, do I think he'll be ma- the manager of them next season? Probably not. Probably mm. not. Um, you know, will they match the investment that he wants for the club? Again, probably not. So it's, it's, it's weird for them because they're com- they're com- they're capable of pulling off performances but they're not seemingly capable of stringing things along together and then obviously the whole debacle in the summer with um, Harry Kane that's embarrassing yeah. that's embarrassing you know he's only just shaken that off as Harry Kane and in my opinion yeah it does come down to the owner because really and truly you should have let harry kane go should have really been reinvesting in the squad they spent so much time worrying about harry kane didn't even start the season with him mm. you know and all of a sudden they're in they're in this weird position again and um when i think about spurs personally i don't think of spurs as a champions league club and that might also be part of the problem the way they see the way they see themselves or the way that they've been branding themselves it's kind of like running before you can even walk. 100%. And I think Levy, he falls into that just by the way that he's moved. And I, I think you guys remember, we said, I probably mentioned it offline anyway. And I know, T, you've already alluded to it already. How they handled the pot situation was just bang, bang wrong. Like, my man has come from, you know, Southampton. And to be fair, you know, it's Tottenham and Southampton have got this weird relationship with one another. They seem to be taking, they seem to, you know, bring, you know, talent from, you know, Southampton and it kind of elevates them. So they've now brought in a manager from Southampton who's elevated them, got them to a point where we're now speaking about them possibly challenging for for trophies and everything else, like the stuff that we, we never would, would have discussed years back. And he discarded them because of a poor run in, in one season. And, but he still made it to the Champions League final and then you didn't even allow him to finish finish the, se- finish the season that, you know, he started really badly. In. But 
for for you yourself as a, as a uh, wait, Levy's not actually the owner, but he's the controller. No, if, if yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he runs the show. So you, my man, are in this seat. You can see what's going on, but you're not saying, you know what? You've got us here. I'm still going to back you. Whatever it is you need for next year, we'll start again. He just said, nope, scrap that. Let's bring in Jose Mourinho. Jose Mourinho, who is militant in his way of thinking already, who comes out and says things like the tw- you know, 20 year olds of nowadays or 23 year olds of nowadays are, are not men, they're boys. Mm-hmm. They're not like the, the, like the ones I had from 20 years ago. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Um, you bring in a man like that, and he, he, it's chaos. It's just utter chaos. And you mm. just look at the you just look at the position that Spurs are in right now. It's just such a shame. I know I'm a Chelsea fan, but I quietly looked at Spurs about maybe seven, seven, eight years ago. And I actually said, you know what? Watching them in Europa League, they were they, they were building something. And then when they finally got to a point where you know they were now somebody, you know, in discussions. They've quickly fall, fallen out of it. Now they're nobodies and top six. Because, yeah, because you have to think Harry Kane will definitely leave this summer. He will definitely will try and leave. You know, he you will, think, he will you probably. Well, he will try and leave again, of course. Like there's because I think doesn't it go down to now two years left on? I think he didn't he have three years left on his deal last year and he's got two years no. this summer. I think I believe. I think he's I think he's going into his final year this summer. So like yeah, Ooh. I think he's going into his final year. I think that's just why. He was trying yeah. to push last summer, but yeah. So yeah, yeah. So what you think? You'll give them one more year. I, I, it'll be one of those like Mbappe type situations. It will be like I will stay for the year if you don't want to sell me, but I'm gonna I'm gonna duck afterwards. Mm. And the reason why I'm saying that is it is it, because it seems as though he's taken a liking to what Conte is trying to install in, the, in within within the squad now in terms of that winning mentality. And this is what this is what the this is what the rumors are again. We've got nothing to really verify this because he hasn't come out in the plain, you know, plain open space to say it. But that's that's what seems to be happening in the background. But what so, if Conte goes though? What if Conte leaves? Yeah, if Conte leaves, then that's it. It's a wrap. Kane will get up and go. I think that right for the right for the here and now. I think that's what's actually keeping him there. You know, because I, I personally think yeah that if Conte had Conte not come when he did, I think Kane would have actually left in January. You know, I think it was that deep. I think he would have mm. actually had to leave in January. Mm. And you look at the profile of the player who they got as well. Um, Eric Dyer, yeah, Deli Ali. I mean, it was, it was just comical, the clip of those two arguing at half-time um, in the Amazon documentary on Spurs. They're arguing, you know, Deli Ali's complaining and Dyer's like, put a name on it, say who you're talking to, whatever, whatever. And then he's like, no, 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 I was just, I just meant generally. And it was just like they were all just annoyed. Then there's the, and I'm sure that's normal in dressing rooms and whatever else. But it just definitely felt like with Spurs, it's too easy for people to say the mentality is weak, Spursy, it's only Spurs. You know that kind of thing. Mm. Um, it's strange they just don't have a spine at the moment as well. Because Loris will give you mistake. He will give you a chance. He's got mistake in him. You know, Loris has got a mistake in him. You look at their defense, Davinson Sanchez. I don't know what happened to him. I really don't know what happened to him. I had high hopes, man. Talk. I remember when I f- the first time I saw him, I thought he was really good. And then, again, mistakes in there. Eric Dyer, not good enough. Um, Danny Rose basically fell off a cliff, you know, and just, I don't know what happened. Maybe there was issues off the field. Just It just wasn't the same. Carl Walker-Peters is at Southampton now, right? Um, they bought, was it Emerson? Is it Emerson Royale right back? Mm. He, could I just say he's whack, by the way? Yes. Uh, he's he's appalling. He's an appalling footballer. Like <laughs> it's just it's just it, you know. And so you're looking at them. They haven't got a spine, and they're going to probably be without their centre forward. Um, they need to invest. They haven't got the quality of player, in my opinion, to submit, mount any proper um, challenge for the top four. Um, they can pull off results, but again, it's basically Sun and Kane. And then there's, then there's everyone else. And the gulf and the gap between everyone else is huge. Absolutely huge. you got players who have been there for a while. People like Winks who's been there for a while. It's not really kicked on. Mm. You know, Winks might be better playing at a bit of a lower level, to be completely honest. 
Like him as a player himself, he might be better playing at a, at a lower level at a more footballing side. I can see Winks playing for like a Brighton or whatever. Mm. I'm being, do you know what I mean? And his game going to another level. Um, so they just haven't got the quality of the player, player, and they haven't got the depth of squad to be able to 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 do this. And I'm saying we're talking top managers. Like we're not talking about foolish people. We're talking about Pochettino. We're talking about Jose Mourinho. Now we're talking about Antonio Conte. We've got Antonio Conte questioning himself. Conte. <laughs> Conte is questioning himself. Uh... So that's why the question is, are they unmanageable? Because I'm just like, could you stick Pep Guardiola in there? Would it make a difference? If you put Pep in there, would it make a difference? <laughs> With that squad, would what would change? What Bergwijn or who would like? Yeah, no, I, think, I, don't, I don't even know. I yeah, even tell you. Uh, Spurs definitely needed some some fresh investment. They need a, a turnover roster of player for sure. I think to to be fair to them, um, the a couple of signings they've made recently look better. I think Kulisevsky looks very interesting. Mm. Um, it's a good player. I think um I think uh Romero looks a good player as well. You know, obviously he's gonna need yeah. time to to settle and but you know they 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 really need somebody in the middle and, and and what I think about now is their model and how I guess the likes of so you got a bit of a split in the league, right? You got your United, Chelsea and City who kind of can spend what they want essentially. And then you you got your your clubs who are a bit more reliant on sustainability, I guess, and you you know from sales essentially. In that you know if you think about the likes of Liverpool, Arsenal, Spurs, and if Spurs don't sell Kane, I, I wonder where the investment comes from because obviously they've had a big commitment coming in with the with the stadium, um, and you 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 you're a little bit your 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 hands are tied a little bit. You've already made quite big investments, outlays on, you know, Romero and Dombele. I don't know how they're going to make that back. You know, obviously these are more kind of financial things, but I'm just thinking in terms of the next step for that squad, you put, you, you need somebody of quality in the middle. And don't get me wrong, Benton Kerr for me is excellent, excellent player. I don't know if he's going to adapt to the Premier League. That's, that's what sure. I was going to say. Yeah. That's what yeah. I was going to say with him. He looks like he's a man who loves a structured team. Mm. you know does better in a structured team structured side you know your role you know the classic classically trained central midfielder yeah i just mm. don't think spurs is that you know spurs at the moment you know it's it's 343 three, or some could argue 532 depending on how you look at it i would say it's a bit more of a 532 formation you know those wing backs are really tucked in they're really, really tucked in. You got the three in midfield, and they just say to Son and Kane, mate, Kane, you drop in, Son, you spin. That's what we're doing. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, to Ben Tanko, he, he does sound good, but I just I just wonder if it's a bit like a bit of a Donny van der Beek in Man United team where it's like, ugh, good player, but you look like you need a structured environment. The fit. Yeah, the fit. It's going to be interesting. Spurs are playing. Tonight, aren't they against Everton? Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be a very interesting one to see. Yeah, but it's it's just tough. It's tough. Obviously, it's tough to see them going on like that. But I'd love to see how how what their plans are for the summer, what their plans are for the rest of the season. Um, should they get Europa League football? Would that be good enough for Conte to, you know, um, stay in the job and whatever? You know, is he likely to walk away? Um, we don't we don't know those sort of things, but on the pitch, just looking at the pure quality of player, I mean, like I said, I said this a few, like you know, they're playing. I don't think I don't know if Regulon is fit, but Ryan Sessegnon is playing at left back, and like he's still young as well, which is weird. Yeah, <laughs> he's still very young, but again, he's it's not good enough for me. It's not good enough for Spurs. It's not good enough for where they want to be. You know what? One thing I'll say on him, though, is that I know a few years back before you got the move, he was someone that was touted with like huge, massive, massive potential. And I know at Fulham he was playing for a lot further up, but you know he was touted as someone that could play in that wing back position. He's had a very, very torrid last couple of years, you know, out in the wilderness, not really been given the opportunity. And I think Conte's been the first manager, first Tottenham manager that's come and put his arm around him and said, you know what, I think you've got something here. And I think the first game that he was given an opportunity, 
I can't even, uh, you know, I can't even pronounce the team's name. I can't remember who they are, but I know it was in a, you, you know, that conference league or whatever they were in. <laughs> and he got sent off within 21 minutes. And that was it. You know, it's it's just little things like that. And I just think, my, my goodness me, this boy, like, he, he needs to be able to, you know, stamp, stamp your claim, like, you know, let people know that, yeah, the talent you've got there, every, you know, everything that the country was raving about it is actually the truth. Do you, do you get what I mean? And hopefully for him, maybe what you're saying, Mark, you know, I see what you're saying and I, I can't even dispute it because I feel like he's just not showing any sort of sign of improving going forward. But like you said, he's young. So you just hope that maybe he would be one of those players that could be a catalyst in, a, you know, in, you know, within the next season or so to then yeah. for the team to now decide that, yeah, you know what? Okay, we've actually got, a few, a few bit, a few bones here to work with with the skeleton. You know, we've got players like him who are young. He's got mileage, so yeah, we can use players like him. But yeah, for the rest of the squad, nah, man, they need major surgery, man. Like, yeah. Just, yeah, yeah, and it's not. It's for me. It's not the. It's not managers. It's not managers, man. Like if they get rid of Conte, they'll get someone else in. If I was them, I'd go British next anyway, to be honest. I feel like Spurs, Spurs should have a British manager in there anyway and try and use their academy. Um, they seem to have a good pipeline with their academy. Try and use their academy and then try and add to that. Um, but you know, just don't don't try and don't try and um I'm not saying don't don't have ambition, but remember football's a game, you know. So you gotta fill you gotta put square pegs in square holes, man. You gotta be able to kind of build your team properly, get a proper spine in there. You know, I think they put a lot on in Dombele as well. They, you know, they really lumped a lot on him. And again, like, to be honest, no disrespect, but he just doesn't have the fitness to play in the Premier League. It's just a fact. Like, the guy's never gone 10 games without having either a niggle or just fading or being in and out and whatever. He can give you moments and flashes, but in Dombele in a structured team, yeah, you're, you're good. it's going to be a problem. It's going to be a problem, yeah. But someone needs to do the running for him. Because mm-hmm. sometimes, oh, he looked so horrible, man. The way he was jogging back sometimes. It was just, you know, like when you you know when they clip up things and you're just like, oh, I feel I, <laughs> this is not your get. Because I'm sure at a certain point, if you would have clipped up Andrea Pilo running back towards his goal, if you would have told Chavi, do you know what I mean? Like if you would have clipped them up, sometimes the way that people might have been running and whatever, mm-hmm. but those players were never really exposed because of their positioning or whatever. But Ndombele, he just didn't look like he was suited to the Premier League and definitely not to the pace at which the game plays consistently. That's what it was. So it wasn't a one-off because he saw sometimes the one-off games, he was fantastic. But just generally across the board, it just didn't work out for him. Do you know what I mean? And he cost a lot of money. And I think they put a lot into a signing like him. But, you know, then there's Bergwijn who can't even, can't really get a game. I'm not really his biggest fan. I think he's kind of a bit here and a bit of this and a bit of that, but a whole lot of nothing. Um, he's decent, but can you really say he's the level required if you're trying to get into the Champions League at, for Spurs? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, he's he, he's been found wanting, I think. I think he's, Spurs fans would probably agree he's, he's not he's not been, he's not lived up to his potential. The, um, yeah, do you know what? I, I've forgotten about Saar. That they they agreed a deal for, he's coming next season, and maybe that's just, um, Pape Matasar. Oh, swear down! I did not yeah. know that. Yeah, Mads, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they got a deal for him, so um, maybe he, he can come in and he he injects a bit of a spark. So yeah, I mean, maybe that's that. That's some forward planning. I don't know. It's interesting, but I just I, I just don't think you can blame managers i don't think you can blame conte or whoever they bring in next until they are ready to refresh and actually put the building blocks down and clear out do you know they do their own clear out they started their clear out obviously got rid of deli alley and whatever till they start their clear out properly you know it's going to be interesting for them anyway and we'll round up anyway we spoke extensively about um leads but Leeds lost again another loss on the weekend um, lost 1-0 to um, Leicester. Improvement. Um, yeah. 1-0. Just, so. just, just by the scoreline, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Still, just the one. 
<laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's true. Um, I did think that Leeds did look a lot better under the new manager. They were a lot more compact. Definitely a lot more compact. They weren't as gung ho, um, but they just really lacked quality in the in the final third. But Bamford was warming up. Patrick Bamford was warming up. He wasn't able to get on the pitch. So him coming back is going to be huge if they're trying Massive. to stay up the season. Um, because that the bottom of that table, I'm not joking yet. This is the most this this is the tightest one yet. Mm. There are a few teams that need to check their 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 side mirrors. Yeah, they need to check their side mirrors because I'm telling you, somebody big is going. There's no nothing. <laughs> Somebody big is going down, uh, and, and I don't know which one it's going to be because Everton also need to check themselves. Yeah, Everton need to check themselves. Burnley are in decent form, um, even though they lost one, but still they're they're in an upward trajectory. So you know, for me, somebody needs to check themselves. Leeds though, because of the because of the way that they're losing and how many are losing in a row. Do you think they can survive? Mm. It's it's tough, man. I, I'm not sure about Jesse Marsh because um, obviously he he kind of got bombed out of out of Leipzig quite sharply. Um, and don't get me wrong, you know he's got he's he's um he's like a new age manager. He's one of the new age managers that I see. And um, you know I don't know if you guys remember, but there was a Liverpool played Salzburg a few years ago. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Yeah, they had that whole speech that he gave, you know, Rousen's speech, and they recorded it and they put it out. And to be fair, like he he gives a lot of talks and these kind of things, kind of off the pitch. Um, but coming into Leeds now, the situation they're in, um, I'm not sure if he can stop the rot. Um, you know, he's got some key players who are coming back, like you mentioned, Bamford. That's a massive one for them because, to be honest with you. They had a lot of good chances against against Leicester on the weekend, and they really will be disappointed to not have scored. Um, even against Spurs, like even what we're saying, even against Spurs yeah. when they got banged, we were saying they, the chance creation was just the same. Shots on target was just close. Oh, sorry, shots and whatever possession wise, they're doing their yeah. thing. Yeah, and 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 they they usually do. To be fair, you know the the flip side of Leeds gung ho approach is that they always have opportunities. They always fashion them for themselves. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure if they can stop the rock, man. They need Calvin Phillips back. We spoke about this. They need a consistent back line. No chopping and changing, man. I want to see that, you know, a consistent back four. Um, and yeah, I, I'm just not sure, Jesse Marsh. He, he talked about needing to see a good performance. And maybe he thought that the Leicester game was, was a stretch too far in terms of getting a result. But the fixtures coming up, yo. Yo, they make, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a lot yeah. of crunch pitches coming up, so mm. they need to win those games. They need Bamford back, man. They need him back. You've got to be eating. Yeah, that that you've got to be eating. You got to be looking at this, and you got to think this is food. These these teams are food for me because it's simple. I'm looking at their last. Um, well, the next game is against Aston Villa. They play on Thursday against Aston Villa, a home game. Mm. You can't. You just like. Villa obviously had a good result on the weekend, but I'm sorry if you're Leeds, you've got to believe that you can take, you can choke out Aston. You've got to believe, you have to win that game. Like then they play against Norwich. I think they'll get the three points against Norwich. Norwich are the whipping boys. Then they're away at the Molyneux, um, playing against Wolves. Um, tough game, tough game. Then they've got to play against Southampton. Then they're playing against Watford. And then the, the see this is this is the problem for me the exit route out of the Premier League yeah and I always do this I always look at the exit route right their exit route is Chelsea so this is their last I think six games of the season Chelsea then they play away at Crystal Palace then they play Man City at home then they go away to Arsenal then they go then they've got Brighton Brentford. at home and then they've got Brentford last game of the season and I'm Screech. saying. I'm looking at the exit route and it's not looking good to me because that that run of um, uh, Watford away, they have to win. Again, the, some of these games we were saying, oh, the, yeah, the chance creating chances. Watford away, you have to win. Playing against Chelsea, who will most likely be trying to either 
you know, hang on to third spot or whatever. You're playing against Chelsea. I wouldn't back Leeds to be beating Chelsea. Then they're going away to Crystal Palace and you know how hard that is a, 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 of a ground to go to. Then this run, Man City and then Arsenal. You know, Arsenal will probably still be chasing that top four position. I'm not saying they can't do it, but I'm just saying I feel like they've learned to lose. You know, when you've learned to lose, it's very difficult to turn it around. They'll need Bamford to come in and be fit and be sharp. And we know Bamford is not clinical. Do you know what I mean? He's not really that yeah. clinical, but he will score his chance when he gets it. But he's not clinical. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a difficult one. The thing is, the thing is, yeah, they, they they have players who can hit the back of the net. Let's 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 be clear, because Rafinha has scored what nine or ten goals this season. Um Jack Harrison. Jack, Jack Harrison, exactly. He's key. He scored a, he scored at least ten goals last season. So he's got he's got the ability to, to he knows where the net is. Um it's just about conversion. Rodrigo's a quality player, you know, he, you have to start converting these chances. Rodrigo's a bit blunt for me, though, man. I, mm. It's the killer instinct he doesn't have. It's the killer yeah. instinct he don't have. Man. It's not that, ruthless. He's got. Yeah. He's good te technically and whatever. He's good, but you see, yeah, it's like you're saying the killer instinct. He's not. He's probably not as blunt as. He's not as um sharp as Rafinha when it comes to that. You know, Rafinha will look. He'll look to shift it, and that shot's on target. Do you know what I mean? He's, he'll look to shift it. He'll look to commit people. Rodrigo's a good little technical player, but. It's just not it's not the one. And that's the thing. They've got a lot of these players. It's just like, mm, they can kind of do it. But they need to put it together. Because when I saw them play on the weekend, they, obviously Leicester organised. Leicester were more fluid. And um, in the midfield, that Dewsbury Hall guy, the little the young boy, I don't know how old he is, but he was quality running that midfield. And obviously... He's 23 now. See, there you go. So... Um, this is where potentially a Calvin Phillips in there probably does make a difference in a game like that because you look at the amount of um, grass that this guy covers on average per game. You know, if you're losing all those legs in midfield, of course, that's going to have an effect on how you're playing. But I'm, it started off as a joke earlier in the season, me saying it, obviously being a Man United fan and having no love lost for Leeds or whatever. But now I'm genuinely going, that exit route doesn't look very good. If they lose a game this weekend... Yeah, it's you know, squeeze, man. They could be, depending on what happens elsewhere, they could be in the bottom three and, you know, ever falling. But they might be three teams worse than them. Who knows? But they have to find a way. I saw the coach, like I say, after the game yesterday, I mean, on Saturday, after the game, with the players in a huddle, you know, giving mm -hmm. some rousing team talk and that. And it's, it's just... It's the American <laughs> way, bro. <laughs> That's how they do it. <laughs> I mean, you know what, yeah? L looking at this... I would say Watford and Norwich are gone, right? Yes, yes. So there's one more place, and how I look at it, I think Burnley somehow are gonna are gonna are gonna get out of this by hook or crook. I'm, I'm I have a feeling, a sneaky feeling, they have the ability to be compact enough to 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 get enough results to get out of it. Now, Everton. And Leeds and Brentford. Oh, by the way, that was a massive win for Brentford. On massive, yeah, huge. Bro, massive, massive win. Because <laughs> those guys were re were they, they were they were Free falling ball. freely, 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 freely. And above that, I think everybody's okay. I think Newcastle have got enough momentum now. No, nah, they're fine. Last five, yeah, yeah, yeah they, they've got enough momentum. Um, below that, anyone can get it, man. Anyone this is what can I'm get saying because that we're looking now is Everton. It's pretty much Everton, Brentford, mm. Burnley, Leeds. One of them is is out of here. Hundred mm. percent. One of them. One of them is out of here. You know, and I wouldn't say it's going to be Everton personally. I don't think it's going to be Everton. They got games in hand over everybody. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's going to be Everton. So then you're probably looking at Brentford, Burnley, Leeds. No, you know what? I'm going to say I think Burnley are gone. You know. Burnley's gone. I think, I think I think this is my this this might be that season where mm. it, they've 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 cut it too fine because you know it is is it's their lack of wins, bro. They've only won three games three all games. season, mm. I, I, and like mm. okay, and even even I think one of those one of those wins came came against Brighton just the other week. Mm. 
So mm. just just to think, they only got their third win the other week. So well, they've, they've just been started rolling. playing though. They've just started yeah, playing true. well because even on the weekend they held off for a long they time did. before the floodgates no, opened. They did. I, I watched. I watched like extended highlights of the game because I missed the majority of it, but I saw that they they caused Chelsea problems. But it, I, I don't know. Like I've just got this feeling that it's just. I don't feel like they should get relegated, but I've got a feeling it will just be one of those surprises. It will be like the whole West Ham thing from like 20 years ago. You remember where they were like too good to go down and they went down with like more than 40 points. Not saying that that's mm. going to happen this year, but it had that sort of feeling like it's weird. Mm, yeah, definitely. It's definitely a tough one. Out of... Boy, uh, we, have to, we have to report more on Leeds, of course. You know, Bielsa not around no more. This marsh, you know, I can't say I'm enjoying it. You know what I'm saying, but I'm enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> this guy, <laughs> no remorse. Oh man, no nah, Leeds and Man United. There's no love lost. Do you mm. know what I mean? There's definitely no love lost. And um, to not play that fixture next year would be absolutely fantastic. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> it would be brilliant. But no, I think I I do think I think Leeds they can pull it out, but they they're just going to need some monstrous performances and. Which they're capable of doing, like you say, they create chances. They're gonna to need to put their chances away. And um, you know, if they are to stay up, it will be a massive achievement. Massive achievement. For me anyway, personally, looking at them solid two seasons now in the Premier League, you know, that will just be that will set them up kind of thing. They can kind of puff their chest out a little bit, make a couple of signings, because we don't know how much funds there are available anyway. Um, because Bielsa was probably gonna go anyway in the summer. Mm. So you don't know how much sign money they have for signings, but I don't think it necessarily has to be like loads of money. They've got a system or they've got a way of that they like to play the ball on the floor and whatever. I don't think they should depart from that way. They should continue to to play that way. But just mixing it up with defensively, they can't do this man for man all over the pitch. I've, I'm sure yeah. they won't do that anymore. Um, they've got to be more compact, two banks of four as they were on the weekend and just kind of take it from there. Um, if they're to stay up though, you know, Leeds, Leeds could build, man. That could be... You know, another club that somebody wants to try and invest in. You know what I mean? It's an attractive proposition. Massive club. Massive club. Well, yeah. These are a big club, bro. <laughs> listen, let's not. You listen. said massive. You said massive. They're, they're a big club. They're a big club. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not hearing anything else. I know that. I know that bias <laughs> is there. These are a big club, bro. No, but you, just, you said massive, so I was just like, massive. Okay, big. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, okay. but no, no, of course they 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 they've 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 had some good sides over the over the years and whatever, and obviously, um, the neutral definitely doesn't want to see them. We'd rather see Burnley go than them, but I suppose we'll see, man. It's all to play for, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, boys. Anyway, we'll leave it that there for this week. Um, that was episode 26 of the Breakdown Podcast. We'll be back next week. We're live on YouTube. Um, don't forget, subscribe, man. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Um, give us a like as well on the video. And we'll catch you next week.